You are listening to Nutshell with Sam Husco, CFA, CFP, where we take some of the stock market's brightest minds out of their New York element to demystify and summarize the complexities of Wall Street for the general public. Sam Husco works for SGH Wealth Management. All opinions expressed by Sam or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of SGH Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of SGH Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome, everyone. We are recording today at Motor City Casino feeding into stock market stereotypes uh, everywhere. So, And today we have a unique guest, a little further off Wall Street than uh, even ourselves, expertise-wise, location-wise. Disruptive technology innovator, Kevin Serace. Why should we be excited to learn from Kevin? Well, he was named Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year, CNBC's Innovator of the Decade, creator of the first smartphone, you know, locally-led GM's OnStar, and 84 patents in his name. You know, if that wasn't impressive enough, I suggest you Google them so we can have more time with them. So thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know how I how I meet that introduction, but thank you for the kind introduction. Yeah, and and the first thing is, you know, with your work at GM OnStar, are you familiar with the Detroit area? Or yes, I am. I was here uh, quite a bit in those days. Now we did that work back in the late '90s, and in fact, we built the system that became uh, the OnStar Virtual Advisor. So for more than a decade, there was actually a system that's very much like Siri today that you could bring up and she would even read your email and and pick up your calls and schedule appointments for you actually at some level more advanced than Siri and this was the late 90s Uh, so late 90s all the way through the 2000s and her name was Mary we had named her okay (laughs) Uh, we named her after the actual person in the booth who recorded her voice which was named Mary and Mary was great to work with it was a great project for GM Uh and yeah, it ended up being with OnStar. It might have been even 15 or 20 years until they finally sort of retired that feature set. Sure, sure. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, you know, in investing, we're, as advisors, expected to kind of see things others don't, predict some things in the future. And, you know, you've had so much success seeing things that others don't. So I'm just kind of curious, and for our listeners, too, on a, on a really human level, you know, how do you feel and, and how do you know when you're on to something? <laughs> Well, sometimes you don't know if you're onto something that's going to be big five years from now until five years comes. Okay. Um, you're trying to predict consumer behavior, trying to predict a technology roadmaps. What we can say is that we always think the technology is going to be here sooner than it is, and we underestimate the impact of when it finally arrives. Does that make sense? So, so um, the, the, the World Wide Web, the internet, would be a great example. We uh, thought in 1995 that it would change our lives by 1999. It didn't. Okay. But even in the ways we were thinking about it, we highly underestimated the way it would change our lives by today. Okay. Okay. It took longer to come mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of reasons. There was a whole bunch of hype. There were companies that blew up. Remember the crash of 2001 and 2002, et cetera, in the, in, the, in the market. So that was a terrible time to invest in the internet, as it turns out, save one or two companies that made it through. Uh-huh. However, right after that crash was the time to invest in anything you could in the internet, sure. because that's when you had uh, you know, Google really starting to take off, and yeah. sort of the whole second generation, and Amazon, et cetera. Right. And, and so that was really the time. Now, obviously, you could have invested in Amazon 
a little bit earlier than that, but you know, Amazon stock was the equivalent of a dollar or so. Sure. But that's when it's really that second wave. And the second wave usually happens after there's too much hype in the first wave. So AI is an example. It's incredibly hyped. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is AI absolutely working for companies. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But not in the ways that we see in the movies. Not in the ways that people uh, think. It is having a very nice impact in people's bottom line in certain areas. Um, companies that are embracing that are, are actually going to succeed where companies that aren't don't. But the real, real heavy lift might be 10 years from now, right. if that makes sense. Driverless vehicles, obviously people talk about this, I'm sure, in this town a lot. <laughs> um, where to invest, how do you play that? Yeah. those cards. But was your earlier prediction was around 2030, right? Or is that Yeah, that's right. So, so, so some of the earliest predictions said 2019. Okay. And, and it turns out that's somewhat true in certain roads in Arizona where it's, you know, there's almost nothing happening, right? right? And there's no snow and there rarely rains. Right. And, and so it turns out uh, this technology was way harder than we thought. But the impact on us when it's finally here, which might be five years from now or six years from now or seven years from now, meaning finally here, meaning anyone can call up a driverless, the equivalent of an Uber, and it's driverless and it shows up and takes you wherever you want to go. The impact cannot be underestimated. Okay, because we're all going to move to transport services. And I don't think people are thinking that. A lot of people think, well, I'll have a driverless vehicle. You, know, you won't want to own a driverless vehicle because when you can get in one for 30 or 20 or 10 cents a mile, some number, maybe free, uh, why would you own one? Because the ownership of a vehicle costs the average American, call it $10,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And that includes the depreciation on the vehicle, your insurance, gasoline, etc. Well, if you can take rides anywhere you want for under $2,000 a year, all up for your entire year's worth of, of, of places to go, you don't need to own it. And if you don't need to own it, what does that impact? Well, how about your garage? If you'll never right. put two cars in that garage again, yeah. well, that's a home improvement opportunity, isn't it? Of, of grand proportions. So then you say, where would I invest? I don't know which car company to invest in, but... Home Depot would be a good choice, yes. right? Because that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you have to look at the secondary effects. It says, you know, the, the, the gold rush in California, of course, the people to invest in were companies making picks and shovels because mm -hmm. you couldn't guess who would get the gold, but you knew that everybody needed a pick and a shovel. It's sure. the same kind of thing. Would you see, like, average person's household expenses going down then? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what happens. <laughs> There's a little bit of Murphy's Laws of expenses, right, if you follow this. Expenses never go down. They just move. Okay. When the expenses on your transport go down by $8,000 a year, you now have $8,000 to spend on something else. And what's great about consumer spending, consumer spending drives the economy, drives all economies, and that consumer spend, if it shifts somewhere else, now maybe it shifts to food. Mm -hmm. Maybe it shifts to bigger televisions. Maybe I don't know. Right? If, but would wages go down at the same time if no. there was no? Okay. No. And why, that, why are you well, be, on that? Because there's no data to, to, to suggest that. Remember, the there are really huge industries impacted by a driverless future. Mm -hmm. Insurance, auto insurance would be one. Okay. It probably goes away at right. some level. Yeah. Now there will be mass auto insurance that's at a different level that is insuring. Waymo or a GM Cruise or whatever, right? I mean, and that that's going to be a you know ten billion dollar contract or something. Uh -huh. But auto insurance for individuals will go away, huh. right? It won't make any sense. Yeah, I don't yeah. have a car. Sure. I, I don't need it. No accidents. I, exactly. But you know, as we've seen over a hundred and fifty years or so of automation, somehow automation increases consumer spend, okay. and therefore ultimately increases jobs. Now the jobs move. 
there are different types of jobs, there's no question. Okay. And the kinds of jobs we will need in the future are completely different. But most mundane tasks are going to be impacted by AI. They're already being impacted by AI. I'll give you a little tidbit. If you look over the last 20 years, the United States has shed the not the majority, but a large percentage of its highly mundane, repetitive jobs to India and China, okay. and some to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And we, we did that, you know, uh, against lots of protests and lots of unions and lots of things, but we did that because that job could be done by someone who makes 50 cents an hour. I'm not saying it's fair, yeah, yeah. Not, not, it just is. Mm -hmm. And every industry shed that all the way to Apple who makes iPhones in China, mm -hmm. right? And we wouldn't be able, maybe we wouldn't have been able to afford an iPhone if it was made in the US at the time. But some things are happening here. First thing is that the most mundane repetitive tasks, say customer support, a lot of that's in India, as yep. we know. Yep. Those are the first ones to be automated by AI. Okay. Because they're the easiest ones to be automated by AI. A highly repetitive process can be automated by what's called robotic process automation, RPA, mm -hmm. or AI, or a combination of both. Those technologies are now maturing. And so we're entering an era where we're going to replace a lot of jobs. But the first jobs to be replaced are the millions and millions of jobs we sent overseas over the last 20 years. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Not because they cost a lot, but because the technology can do them the easiest. Yes. So when we're seeing uh, automation of customer support in many industries today, from banking to whatever, what we're seeing is we're replacing first the jobs in India because that is the 80% of customer support. The 20%, we never sent there because it was too hard and we left it here. Right. And that is a long way from being replaced by AI, uh -huh. if that makes sense, right? Because right? uh -huh. those are the hard questions. You go, what do you mean? You did what? <laughs> I don't know how to fix that. Let me call Bill. He designed that part, right? right? right. And so, um, so, so really the jobs at risk, and these countries know that, are the jobs in China, the jobs in India, some of the jobs in Mexico. Um, those are the greatest risk because this country shed those jobs already. So we took our mundane jobs and put them there. Uh, so I'm not too worried, in fact, I'm not worried at all about jobs in the United States. Um, AI is going to lower our costs in some areas, thus increase consumer spend in others, right? So it will decrease, you know, the, uh, the amount spent on buying cars. Mm -hmm. No question, the whole car market's going to be upended and every manufacturer knows this. Sure, yes. They're working on it. Yes. <laughs> this is a problem, right? They gotta be in the lead. But, but on the other hand, so some people would say, well, what car manufacturer should I invest in? Well, there may not be 20-something major car manufacturers left okay. at the end of this fallout. But the two or three or four that are right. would have made a heck of an investment today. Yeah, so I don't know which ones those are. Yeah. It's very hard to tell because everybody's, yeah. everybody's scrambling. Now, Toyota's surprisingly behind in a number of areas. They waited and waited and waited, and now they've got an R&D center, et cetera. Uh, uh, GM with Cruise is, is, is right up there in sure. the lead. Ford has some leadership position. Obviously, Tesla and, and surprise entrants like Waymo, Google, who actually did the early work for the last decade. Mm -hmm. But unknown where they go with that. Are they really going to make vehicles? Probably not. So, so how safe is this IP, though, the information? <coughs> and, and what is stopping all these companies from letting one of the leaders you know, spend a ton of money and then just sit in the background and figure out a way to just copy? Well, that's a great question because you never want to be last when the parade is leaving, right? Sure. I mean, you know, you actually want to lead the parade, and that costs real money. And, and sure, there's the copycat stuff. And I think if you look out 25 years from now, it'll be pretty easy. I don't want to say easy. It will be well known 
what the state of the art is to build a driverless vehicle. Now, a driverless vehicle doesn't turn out to be technically difficult from a hardware perspective. Okay. It's a computer and motors. Uh, right. it's, it's probably EV because the cost per mile is maybe a third that of, of, of gasoline in most areas. The big problem is the software. Mm -hmm. And the big problem is the AI and the recognition. And, right. and the, the bigger problem is that we don't want machines killing people. Now, this is a complicated issue because we allow people to kill people on the road at, at the rate of about 33,000 a year in the U.S. But there's we, a stigma. We've gotten used to that. Yeah, yeah. But the minute a machine runs over a person that right. has no driver, it's dangerous. Right. Now, it turns out the data that all of the leading companies have are showing a already 90 or 95 percent safer than a human driver in almost every case. Okay. Now, there are going to be corner cases that haven't been modeled been programmed in. There are cases where someone's going to get injured or die, and then most every company has decided it won't be the passenger I'm carrying, mm -hmm. right? That's yeah. a bad idea. Sure. Let's not kill that one. <laughs> uh, Granny's going to go. I'm sorry. She shouldn't be in the middle of the road. <clears throat> right? We're not going to flip the car. Right. But there's no question there's going to be some winners here, and, and there won't, if we go to driverless services, it won't be everybody, because mm -hmm. there won't be as many cars. It could be that there are 80 or 90% less cars, and that's because, you know, where's your car right now? It's in this parking lot here at the casino, right? and you're not driving it. But if you were taking a driverless service, that car would be running 20, almost 24-7, as long as there's someone to get in. Right, right, which there always will be. Now, let me throw some wrenches in the whole thing. Okay. Two things. One, you've got people like Amazon that are just hanging back going, when there is a driverless vehicle transport service, I will offer one as part of Prime. And there'll be Amazon Prime Ride. Okay. And you'll get in for free. Uh -huh. Part of your Prime subscription. And, and they make revenue off of advertising or just... Adver just Look, they have... Uh, any internet-oriented company wants your attention for as long as it can get it. Yeah. Facebook might offer rides. Google might offer rides, clearly. Um, the reason they started down the Waymo path originally was to say, what are other places that we can grab their attention? Like, we, we've only got so many hours of a day we can get someone to look at our stuff, right? Click on our ads. And then you go, well, people on average, you know, drive an hour and a half a day or something like that, right? Can I, can I get that hour, an hour and a half out of them? Well, not if they're driving, but how about if they're not driving? Well, then I can get that hour, hour and a half back, right? Right, right. That's pretty cool. So here's the monkey wrenches in all of this. In the midst of everything going on with driverless vehicles, there are at least a dozen companies who have now flown driverless taxis. And these are all, uh, pretty much all electric and uh, based on drone technology, so the vertical takeoff and landing. Okay. So VTOL, they'll go 100 to 200 miles on a single charge, cost about a dollar a mile to fly. Wow. Okay, and they can go upwards of 200 miles an hour. Wow. <laughs> okay, now here is, here's the monkey wrench. It may be possible. Oh, by the way, all these fly already. Beautiful. What's fascinating about that is that there's much less to hit in the sky. Yes, yeah. And it turns out it's a much easier problem to solve. Okay. There, granny and bicycles and rodents and all those right. things aren't in the way. If you hit a bird, you're not going to have a controversy. What, no, you're not going to have a controversy. You're rarely going to hit a bird. But, but, yeah. but, but, but even, if you, even if you hit a bird, even if you knock out one of your motors, let's say, there's backups and it'll take you safely back down to the ground. It can land virtually anywhere. Uh -huh. It's about the size of a car. Now that's an interesting monkey wrench in the entire yeah. transport area. And it looks like the Jetsons, for those of us who right. remember that cartoon. <laughs> but actually that was 
it's quite interesting, right? So, so there's that monkey wrench, and, and, and you know, and, and and there's others. Like I said, free rides and, and things like that. So we, again, we know the technology is going to be here. We thought it'd be 2019. It's probably five or six or seven years away, maybe 10 by the time we're all in them. And the change it's going to have on our lives, we are highly underestimating. Mm -hmm. So, so one interesting thing too, in, in knowing that China's investing very heavily in AI, and what you brought up is they have a lot of the unskilled labor force that might get affected by this. It's just a bizarre combination, in my opinion. It's like they're investing really heavily to potentially put a lot of their citizens out of work. Essentially. Sure. Sure. Um, how do you see all that unfolding, or what, what? Well, no one wants to not be in the lead on the latest technology, sure. right? Whether it's AI or five G. It's or happening whatever. regardless. Right. And so you want to be in the lead. Um, today, the United States is by far in the lead uh, okay. in overall AI technology. But like anything, you know, um, everyone will catch up. Most people will catch up. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit like the nuclear bomb, mm -hmm. right? Um, there are countries that now have the bomb that we wish might not have that because someone leaked them information and, and this and that. On the other hand, the U.S. and two or three or four other countries basically kept the tricks of making a bomb secret for 70 or 80, year, 80 wow. years. Yep. That's a long secret, sure. right? That's a long time to keep a yeah, secret. Yeah. So we kept a pretty good secret. Uh -huh. But eventually someone's going to tell someone. And that's going to be true with all these technologies. So whether China is in the lead now or not doesn't change the fact that 10 years from now, they may have enough technology and enough leadership position and enough fields to be, you know, highly competitive on a world stage. Yep. Okay. And I would not underestimate them. They, you know, their form of government is such that they can mandate what they're going to focus sure. on and they can throw as much money as they want at it. No red tape. Without any votes. Yeah. <laughs> they just do it. Right. So, and, and, and look, they did that in solar. Uh -huh. They did that in LED bulbs. But in LEDs, uh, LED light bulbs, they recognized and, and they put billions into that. And they backed um, some 60 companies in LED bulbs. You know, we had five or six or seven companies in the U.S. create a bunch of others. But in the end, um, go to the store and buy your LED bulbs today, and they're all from China. Yeah. And they just said, the world will light itself with LED. We better be the leader. Yeah. And they made it a, a, a national mandate more than 10 years ago. That national mandate paid off. You know, and that, the, you know, the light bulb business around the world is whatever, $100 billion a year forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good bet. Oh, absolutely. It's a pretty good bet. Yes. And the United States put nothing into it, mm -hmm. you know, and nor did Europe. And so, you know, we seeded that business. Yes. Right, wrong, or otherwise. We uh -huh. seeded that business. If those jobs go away, though, how does China and India <laughs> and them survive? I mean, well, China has to raise what it does. So, right now, China is a manufacturing society. Uh -huh. And Mexico's a manufacturing society. Right. And, 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 and what we mean by that is that, you know, like the United States is an inventing and, and services society. Right. Right. Yes, we do some manufacturing, no question. But, but it's 8% uh, of our GDP. Right. In China, manufacturing and agriculture are the majority of their G GDP. So they haven't graduated from a manufacturing society. And so they're more at risk than we are. Yes, we still do manufacturing that makes sense to do here. And, and by the way, I think there'll be a lot of onshoring. And I think there'll be a lot of onshoring because all of this AI is also making factory automation uh, much easier. Right. And so that allows us to bring things back at a lower cost than making them over there and transporting them yes. here. Now, they'll come back with less jobs, but not zero jobs, okay. if that makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a factory that used to have 4,000 workers 
might only need 500 workers, but we'll be able to make the thing here. But those 500 jobs are, five, are, are part of the 4,000 that went away 20 or 30 years ago. 4,000 don't come back, but 500 come back. Right. That's pretty interesting, actually. Yep. So we're going to see onshoring uh, here. We're seeing it around the world. We're seeing it in Europe where people are talking about onshoring because the technology now allows us to onshore cheaper than paying Chinese labor. Okay. And would you ever see the need for like a robot stipend, you know, some sort of spreading out the wealth to some Yeah, I mean, look, pe people have talked about that. Again, automation has occurred in this society. I mean, things may change, right? Automation has occurred certainly since the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, the first uh, robot was installed in the early 60s at General Motors here in Detroit. And while jobs have shifted around the economy, we, the United States, employs overall far more people today than it did in the 60s. Maybe about twice as many. I don't have the number in front of me, but about twice as many jobs exist in the U.S. By the way, in the early 60s, women didn't work. Today, right. most women work. Yeah. So, and, and, and our country's population has gone up by 35%. Right. So if, if you think about that, the jobs at least doubled in this country. Mm -hmm. Jobs doubled. Now, they're different jobs. Right. But they did double, and that's a fascinating thing. Now, that's not helpful to the guy or gal who just loses his job or her job in a factory, and they've been there 30 years, and they don't know where. I get that. Yep. And that's going to be true in insurance. You know, there are lots and lots of insurance claims adjusters for automotive that'll just go away. Yeah. It'll be gone. If AI doesn't need it, then driverless transport services will need it. So this is an interesting time, but we've seen this time. Mm -hmm. ATMs did not reduce the number of tellers at all. Okay. Tellers continue to increase at banks until five years ago. I didn't know that. And do you know why they started to decrease five years ago? Because you could finally cash a check at home yes. on your phone. Yes. <laughs> and once the smartphone could cash a check, tellers actually went down. Right, right. Not up. Yeah. Fascinating statistic. Uh -huh. And there are lots of reasons for this. So don't look at automation. I mean, we all look at automation as that thing could take my job. But sure. it does not mean it reduces overall jobs. Mm -hmm. It means that people have to possibly learn new skills. And yes, it's scary. And so, yes, it's not fair. But this is this is what we've been doing in this country yeah. forever. We'll figure it out. You've, you've got a new skill in podcasting. Yes. <laughs> okay. If this was twenty years ago, there was no you wouldn't know what I was talking about. Sure, sure. Right? There, uh -huh. There's no such thing. Right. If you had a kid in high school right now and seeing what you see over the next twenty <laughs> years, what college major would hmm. you recommend that they get into then? Well, one way to rephrase that question is what jobs will never, ever, ever go away in our lifetime, sure. in our kids' lifetime? I'll give you some. HVAC repair. Okay. <laughs> Plumber. Uh-huh. Now, let me tell Welder. you why. No? <clears throat> it depends. Uh-huh. But, but the ones I'm talking about are in-home repair okay. oriented and possibly commercial repair. And here's the reason why. Every home is different. If you have a plumbing problem, it's different than your neighbor's plumbing problem. And in fact, your plumbing is different. It's laid out differently. The right. problems are in different places. It's not standardized. So remember I said that AI is really going to go after the mundane, repeatable tasks. Mm -hmm. HVAC repair and plumbing are not a mundane, repeatable task. They actually take critical thinking skills where you take the thing apart and you go, I wonder what and where the problem is. Mm -hmm. And in fact, so much so that a plumber has to enter your house and, you know, first of all, find the right pipes, which could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, and find his or her way to those pipes. So the kitchen's laid out differently, so you've got to find the right cupboard. You understand the point, Sure, right? sure, yeah. So the complexity 
of creating a robot that would do that would be too high. All right, well thank you again, Kevin, for spending some time with us today. You are truly a fascinating individual, and thank you for our listeners for tuning in, and remember to subscribe, share, and like us. Thank you much. Yes, thank Bye. you. <laughs>